Hey there, darlings. It's your girl, Vivica Fox. And welcome to my podcast, Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Ooh, I got the best of the best for y'all today. My guest is a daring designer, savvy businesswoman, passionate philanthropist, and my good girlfriend. And she's the proud mother of two of the baddest females in the world. It's a joy to welcome Queen Tina Knowles Lawson. Hey, Tina. Hey, that was a hell of an introduction there, girl. Thank you. You deserve that wonderful introduction, Queen. <laughs> so how you been doing during these challenging times? I've been doing great. I've been really, really busy doing, um, you know, a lot of work with around voting and trying to get people to get tested for uh, COVID because I'm, you know, I'm just very concerned about the numbers, especially how it affects people of color. Uh, It's disproportionate. We only make up 13% of the population, but we are 70% of the people that are 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 dying of of COVID. As a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, COVID-19 was dominating our news. I mean, in LA, we've been quarantined for months, but you launched an initiative to provide COVID-19 testing. Tell us about that. It was called Hashtag I Did My Part. Yes. Um, Well, it came about because I was actually, I, I work with an organization called Matthew 25 to get supplies to hospitals during this time. Um, And I was very concerned about the hospital in in Houston. It was a black hospital and I wanted to make sure that they got the supplies that they needed because this was during the time when, you know, hospitals were running out of things. So I was talking to a doctor there and he said, well, we just opened another facility specifically for COVID. And, um, And so I was getting supplies to him and he said, we're testing but we're not, the first week we had people to turn out. And after that, there was nobody there. We might get 20 people a day and it's free testing. And they have put it in several areas of Houston and under uh, served areas. So I said, and they were telling me about the fact that the kids were lining up for the turkey hut there. That's like this cool place that they hang out. And so I said, well, what if we put the turkey hut at the end of the line of the testing? Jokingly saying it, but then I was like, you know, I might have something there. So I just started trying to get together and I got Matthew 25 to give us $150,000 worth of products and masks and gloves. And um, and we bought vitamins. You know, I called up Beyonce and I was like, look, we need to have this to bring attention and awareness and also to just do this big push. We can sponsor a thousand tests for people two days in in different parts of the city. And it just grew because one of the things is that we need vitamins. I mean, we need vitamin D. Black people have a deficiency. 80% of us have a vitamin D deficiency. So it's really important. And we also bought gift certificates for two of the favorite restaurants there for people to go and get food afterwards. And um, we had a DJ and we made it more of a celebration of testing, you know? For our community, I mean, you know, health, you know, is always an issue. So the fact that you could combine fun, food, and testing, and awareness, I I think that that was just an excellent way to get people to come out. How was the turnout for that? Oh, my God, the turnout was unbelievable. The cars were all the way backed up for, you know, a couple miles. And we actually had to buy more gift certificates, get more printed up, and and uh, get more products and, and extend it. And we extended it for three more days. And since then, the testing is amazing because we also did these buttons. I had these buttons made that said, I did my part. I got tested today. And it had Be Good on it. So it had Beyonce's name. And so that was kind of a cool thing. And it was just a great, great thing because it, it, it really accelerated the amount of people that came in for testing. And they're still getting tested. You guys are always empowering and and caring about our community and generation next. You find so many ways to empower wellness, excellence, equality, and and justice. Where does that come from? Is that something your mother taught you growing up? Yes. Well, my mom was always taking everybody in. You know, everybody called her mama and she cooked and she stretched our little 
uh, the food that we had because we, I, you know, I grew up very poor. But she fed everybody. She helped everybody. She sewed for everybody. Did everybody's daughters' prom dresses, and you know, and she was just a philanthropist. Even though I didn't even know what that was then, but she and she probably didn't either. But that's the work that she did, and she always just instilled in me to to give back, and that that was the most important thing. So that's where it came from, and it started, you know, very early with my kids because they started feeding the homeless when they were five and well, actually four and nine. So it's just always been a part of our DNA to to give back. That's something you and I have in common. Uh, you always tell me that, Vivica. You're always doing so much for others. You got to learn to let people do stuff for you. But I find, you know, that's the way my my mama raised me too. That's right. Even though, you know, we're in a business where it's like, you know, we want people to buy our stuff and, and support us. I always feel the best when I can give back and make people smile and surprise them. And I feel like I'm giving back to my community. That's always a good feeling. And I think that's something, you know, you and I have really bonded. I've seen you. I mean, I remember when you guys, when you and my husband were doing that movie. And I was so impressed and taken by you because you still had the same friends that you had when you were, you know, a young girl. And um, and you didn't change your friends. You didn't get brand new. You still brought them all and invited them and took them to the, took us all to the movies and, and every, you know, brunch for your friends. And you are just the most generous kind person. I just haven't met many, um, you know, actresses, or I shouldn't say actresses, just young women that are like you. So, and and how generous you were to the other girls that were the younger girls that were on the set. You know, if I looked in the dictionary under generous, I would I would put your your face next to it because that's who that's who you are. Tina, that's so kind of you to say that. Girl. I mean, I got my lashes on today, but you're about to make me cry them <laughs> off. <laughs> But thank you. I mean, that's, you know, how my mama raised me as well, too, that it can't always be just about you. You can't take from your community and not give back. So, you know, I get that big old generous heart from my mama, too. There's a very important topic that we need to talk about, and that's the recent death of George Floyd. It literally shook me to the core to basically witness a murder. How did it, how, where were you and how did you feel when, when you were made aware of the, of this murder? Well, like everyone else, I, you know, I saw it on the news and I was just, I mean, I was stunned. It's, it, it, it was just the most heartbreaking thing ever. And, you know, at first I felt so sad and then I got really angry, mm-hmm. um, you know, angry about what happened and, and just, I mean, like the rest of the world just was kind of confused for a minute about what I should do. And I think I took to social media. I took to Instagram. That's the only format I'm on. And I just started posting because I was like, you know, like the world, I just had enough, you know? Yeah. I, that was one of the posts of mine. I had my black box up and it said enough. Yeah. And it just made you go, this has to stop. I mean, how did you feel like for me? I was so proud. I was, I was disappointed in the looting. I don't, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't that. like that. I don't. I don't like that because people work hard to establish yeah. their business. But I was very happy to see the transition to then peaceful protest. Yes, yes. And to see that peaceful protesting go worldwide, Paris, London. I mean, faraway places. I feel like one of the things is that I. I feel like if. If it wasn't a pandemic right now and people were at home and they were not as busy or wrapped up in their careers and everything else that's going on, you know, people are working, but a lot of people are at home, that we would not have had the spotlight on it like we did. So everything happens for a reason and it works. You know, God has a way of working everything out and people just could not look away this yeah. time. They couldn't go on back to business as usual. They had They were forced to look at Really, what's been going on all the time, this is nothing new, nothing different, except that, you know, during this time, people were paying attention because there are so many killings with knees on necks and broken backs Mm. and people dying. And, you know, it's not always, it's, it's recorded as well. It's recorded on police cams, but we never get to see it. 
So it was a spotlight and it was the timing. Do you think a change is coming? Absolutely. I have so much hope. I have hope that, excuse me, I haven't had in the past because now there's a light being shined on. Every day there's videos coming out. This is nothing new that happened with Mr. Floyd. This has been happening all the time. And, um, and you know, not only with police, but with the, with the incident of Mr. Aubrey being shot and killed and hunted down. This has been going on since the beginning of time. This is not new. But right now, it is, you know, a cool thing to be an activist. It is a cool thing not to be um, not to be racist. It is a cool thing to listen and try to affect change. And that's what we needed to be. We needed to be a good and positive thing. And I think that people, you know, I really appreciate all of our brothers and sisters of other ethnicities that have gotten out and protested or whether you posted or whether you, you know, called into the governor and used your contacts. I so appreciate the fact that the world is watching and I do have a lot of hope that things are going to change. Now, let's talk about voting. Okay. Did you see all that, how they had them folks standing in line in Atlanta? Absolutely. For like four, five hours to vote? Yes. That is the new game. And uh, voter suppression is definitely the game. And, you know, they did it and it was very successful in Georgia because they stole that race. Yeah, because that happened in the race with uh, Stacey Abrams. They actually blocked buses with elderly people trying to come and vote. It was horrific what they did. And they were able to bully their way and win. And uh, we just cannot allow it. So I'm working on a campaign. that's called and still I I vote like and still I rise and yes they are and and my whole initiative with them is that there are 34 states that you can do absentee voting but with absentee voting which I've been doing for 20 years you can fill out your paper your ballot and you can have someone to take it down or you can take it down and put your ballot in the box yourself but it will alleviate the lines being so long. And I just feel like we have to beat these people at their own game. I agree with you on that because I was talking to one of my producers before we started taping a day. And I said, you can order something on your phone. And next thing you know, a guy's walking up to the front door and handing it to you. But to vote, we got to stand in line for four or five hours. It just doesn't make any sense to me that as far as what we've come in technology and all of these other things, why they make voting so hard. So they I'm make so it glad- difficult. Yes, they make it so difficult. If you go on um, vote.org, you can get the application to register because what the other game they play is that there's no rush. So if people go on right now, they can just fill out the application and they will send you a ballot. That's the way we can do it. And I even have my kids. I have, you know, the kids that I mentor, the angels and warriors. I just challenge them and, and I'm giving them where uh, Waco is giving them a thousand dollar prize for the person who signs up 10 people in their community or their family to register to vote and they, you know, minimum is 10 people because we're asking each one of them to find 10 people in their family or community to register to vote. Wow. What a great idea. Okay. I want to hear more about angels and warriors, but first let's talk about the work that you've done in Houston because philanthropy has been a big part of your family for decades. Tell us how did that start? This church, St. John's, which is such a amazing place. They, minister to the homeless. So when we we were asked by our big church, uh, mega church, to go and occupy this building downtown and to help the homeless. And, you know, honestly, I was reluctant because I was like, oh, wow, I love this church. But we committed to go because we live close. We live close to downtown and we went and it was nine members and we would buy turkeys and canned goods and this mm-hmm. lady would cook and we feed the homeless and it grew so quickly. And then we had a facility where they could shower and get supplies. And so it was just a kind of natural thing that we fell into. And that became my passion uh, to work with homeless people and to get medical services for them. Um, you know, we built a center for youth, which housed the kids. It was a basketball court. Beyonce put a little recording studio in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it became a center for those homeless people to distribute food to them. And, 
you know, it, it that place is is such a inspiration because it just makes you want to help, you know. And that is called it's called St. John's downtown uh, Houston, and they still they serve uh, a month about twenty thousand meals, and they they distribute food every Wednesday. They for two years distributed products that we were able to get from Matthew twenty five after the storm to restore Houston. So they are angels. They really are. Now you have the Nose Rolling Center for Youth. Yes. That's okay. the center we built, which has been everything from a gym. Mm-hmm. It was a gym for years and a, a community center where we did sex education. Uh, the kids got together and uh, it was called the God Pound. <laughs> that was what the kids were called. And then it became a resource center after Katrina. We turned it into a resource center where it just, you know, fed people and we gave products and so it's it's been many things, but it's just a big, huge uh, gymnasium, basically. And so you you named the Nose Rolling Center after Kelly, who is yes, just Kelly like, was a part of it too. Kelly yes. came to live with us when she was ten. Mm-hmm. So she was a part of St. John's, and you know it's funny because when they first got their first check. And I remember it was $84,000. It was four girls in the group. And that was a lot of money. Sure was. (laughs) And they had picked out their brand new cars. They were going to get the baddest cars. Mm. And and Kelly was getting an Escalade. And I was like, guys, if y'all bought vans for the church and you got a used car, Mm. I guarantee you that next year you'll be able to buy whatever you want. And they were not that happy about it. I was getting ready to say, girl, what was their reaction to that? They was like, wait a minute. They're making me go from a brand new Escalade to a used car. (laughs) So they they got used cars and they bought the vans, which they kept there for 20 years, probably. I don't know. Uh, But... Within no time, you know, they had all these number one records. And, yes. and so it taught them very early on about tithing, yes, you know, giving, giving back. Giving back and it grows. God just multiplies it. Now, you also have the Knowles Timonos Apartments, a transitional living center. Tell us about that. Well, that is a transitional living center that we teamed up with, partnered up with St. John's. And, um, you know, everyone in the family at the time, Matthew and Beyonce and Solange, we all um, built this this apartment complex. Well, it's not a complex, but it's a 45 efficiency apartment uh, facility with a business center. Um, we had vans. Those the I don't even know if they were the same vans, but we had vans <laughs> taking for the interviews. You know, because it's hard when you're trying to get back on your feet and you don't have an address and you don't have a phone. Mm -hmm. So we had phones there, not a phone in everybody's room, but in the business center. So there was a number that could be called back. And, you know, so many people, it's so many success stories that have come out of there. One guy finished, you know, he got back on his feet after being on drugs and became a dentist. Yes. Uh, We have several nurses. We have women who got back on their feet and got their kids back. And so it's many success stories that come out of that place because you can live there for very inexpensively for up to a year. As long as you're in school, training, mm-hmm. you have a job and you're getting back on your feet. Doing the right thing, you know, because, yep. you know, in life, we all fall down every once in a while. None of us, none of us are perfect. So bless y'all for giving people a second chance to say, hey, I messed up. And I just need a little bit of help that you all provide a transitional living center to help people get back on their feet and get a second chance. But they got to do the right thing. I think that's that's the one important thing that you and I can make sure that we do pass on to Generation Next is to do the work. Because, you know, in today's society, everybody's so self-entitled. They want to swipe the game. And I'm going to tell you, the one thing that you'll know about me and I know that you instilled in Beyonce and Kelly and all of them, y'all got to work. Because I'm going to tell you something, Beyonce, when I watched her coming up and getting becoming a megastar, she is, I said, well, goodness, this girl's schedule, I better not ever talk about being tired, okay? <laughs> and I know you was right there with her, girl, because I would see y'all backstage, and we were yes. hey, girls, how y'all doing? But we was moving and grouping to literally get to the place of where we are now. To have a podcast, to sell out stadiums, to be able to give back to the community, to provide for others. But we have 
to let the kids know you have to do the work. You got to do the work. Yeah, for sure. That's the most important thing. And, and you know, people now want instant fame. Mm-hmm. They want everything is instant. You know, yeah. the returns have to be instant. So I want to talk about another passion project of yours, and that is the Waco Theater. I Oh, my gosh. I'm going to tell y'all something. Every year, honey, they put on the best party, the best celebration, but it's also giving back to the community, correct? Right. Yes, that is the purpose. Tell them all about the Waco Theater. Well, the Waco Theater Center came about because um, actually when I've known Richard for 38 years, I was pregnant with Beyonce when I met him and his sister was my became my very best friend. And um, and so we lost touch because she passed away. And when we reconnected, I was actually in the process of opening a community center in Houston, very much like the ones that my kids went to Beyonce and Solange went to when they were younger. That's where they honed all their skills and competed. And it was in a underserved community. It was two of them, the Shrine of the Black Madonna and Shape Center. And they used to go there. And and, um, so I was like, it's always been my dream. They had bookstores, black bookstores. Mm. They had art. And you could come and if you want to do a recital, if you want to do a little tea or whatever, it was just a center that was open for the community. So that's what I was in the process of doing because I was going through a divorce and I I said, I'm going to stay in Houston. I'm going to open this community center and put a deposit on this place. And then Richard and I reconnected and we both had the same passion. That was our dream to open this place where art could occur. And, Tell them um, what the Waco Theater stands for. What does Waco? Well, Waco stands for where art can occur. Yes. And in my conversation with him, he told me, he said, you know, do you have a place in your house where art can occur? Like, you you know, it could be a closet, but you have to have a dedicated space to do your art. And I said, you know what? When I open my center, I'm going to jack that name and I'm going <laughs> to steal it. So anyway, we we wound up, you know, really connecting and I visited him, he visited me and I put that on hold and I wound up coming here. And so we're doing it here and it's in North Hollywood, which is not necessarily in the neighborhood, but that people can use that community center and they use it for everything from poetry readings to talent shows to, and we have plays, we have productions and we just kind of like, it's open to anyone who needs a place where art can occur. But we also run our mentoring program for Tina's Angels and Richest Warriors out of there. And you know, you're familiar with them. Absolutely. I always see you and Richard, you know, um, inspiring Generation Next. Um, But I want to know, is that where you and Richard made y'all love connection through the Waco Theater? Just real quick sidebar. Just let them know. Let them know know where that came in. Because somewhere in the meantime, in between time, you got a husband (laughs) out the deal. Okay, That's right. That's right. But no, we we had started talking and we always had a lot of admiration for each other. But, you know, we were both married when we met. And for years we were friends and all of us were friends, my ex-husband and Richard. And, you know, we were all just great friends. And when his sister passed away, we kind of lost touch. So we always had that. You know, he was fine. You remember that? Oh, I mean, you he girl, still you is. Listen, OK. <laughs> That's so I was the always checking him out. He's fine, but you know, I was married. So, uh, but anyway, we connected and we just, we had very like-minded ways and, and we kind of just, just, it it moved very quickly with our relationship. So Mm. no, we got together and then I think maybe a year and a half, actually while we, you guys were doing those two movies, that was the time that I was planning the, the, the theater. I had gotten a I found a building and was designing it and and moving forward with it. So we had been married not even, shoots, probably not even six months. So I just want to let everyone know, it's like Tina and I, that's, as she mentioned, how her and I got more connected and became uh, really good friends because we got to spend time together because Richard and I were in Detroit and we did two Christmas films together called The Royal Family with Debbie Morgan and... Um, Chelsea and 
and some other young actor and it was Romeo. And so every night, Tina and I, we would either do dinner together. We would do brunch on the weekends. We went to the movies. And so that's where uh, Tina and I really, really connected that we would sit down after work and fellowship. And I really yes. enjoyed those times. And we just made sure afterwards that we always stayed in touch with each other. Richard um, played my brother-in-law, who I couldn't stand, but in real <laughs> life, I just adore me some Richard Lawson. He's such a handsome man. So I'm glad that God sent you a king and a second yeah. chance at love, you know, because I'm waiting on my king to come through, girl. That's I all I'm right. He's coming. He's coming. All right. Now let's move on. Um, you have two megastars. I mean... It, it, it don't get no better, okay, than to be the mother of Beyonce and then Solange. Um, how does that feel to you to know that you've raised, and they're so different from one another. Yeah, they are. Different. You know what I mean? Like, I was right. so glad that when Solange figured out her path and, and it was so different than Beyonce and, and they were so embraced in love. How does that feel yeah. to you to have two mega stars it's you know, the best. Your daughters, yeah? It's the best. I mean, you know, I think that just because that was just always their passion from little girls, that's all they did all the time. And again, you know, Kelly came to live with us when she was 10. So it was three entertainers in the house. And that's all they wanted to do is do shows. And, and, um, and so to see them reach the pinnacle of success that they have, it's been amazing. And, and no one deserves it more because all three of them are just hardworking, hardworking people. You know, they, they dedicated themselves to it and they love, they genuinely love what they do. And so, uh, you know, and they, and they, they're willing to do the work that it takes. And, and, you know, Solange, I'm so proud of her because she, she did find her own lane and, yes. you know, they don't overlap, but they complement each other. I can't wait till they do a song together. I've been, praying for that for forever. Oh, that would be hot. Yeah. Oh, that would be hot. Because, you know, whenever Solange does come on stage with Beyonce, the crowd just goes. They go crazy. Crazy. Yeah. They just yeah. go crazy for it. And they jam together. Girl, especially after Beyonce had had the twins. And then she, Solange came out on stage and they both <laughs> did that little dip down thing. I said, oh, wait now. Hold on, he's still <laughs> strong. Go right. <laughs> but well, 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 they were they were in dance class when they were really young, and and they used to have to calm the two of them down because they were like those little nose girls. They just <laughs> take all the attention because they would dance harder than anybody, just working hard, you know. And how does that feel for you for Beyonce? Like to see her? I mean, that last concert tour, baby. I looked around. I said, that's why whenever I comment on your page, I always call her a rock star because babies, her and Jay stadiums, yeah. stadiums, not arenas, stadiums. Yeah. And how does that feel for you to go and see them? These huge screens, people falling out, girl, like they fell, fell out for the Beatles and the Jacksons. <laughs> oh, Lord, Jesus, Beyonce. Baby, I mean, Beyonce, now you better not ever say nothing against the, 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 the queen because the hive, the beehive <laughs> will come and just sting you for days, honey. I mean, how does that feel to, to have that allegiance that your daughter well, has earned? Not get, that wasn't given to her. She no. earned that. Yeah, she has worked hard and made so many sacrifices for her art. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's surreal sometimes. I, I'm just like in there and saying, you know, I forget who they're coming to see because it's just so <laughs> overwhelming. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. Yeah. Um, no, it's really good. And, and you know, the one thing that, um, you know, it, it, sometimes it gets frustrating because, it's you know, people have a lot to say and they put a lot of pressure on her to be everything. Yes. And I think something that's really important for me to say, and I've been wanting to get this off my chest, is, you know, say from it. the criticism... And uh, I mean, there's been some criticism when she put out the first message. You know, it's like, how does she look? How does she, you know, she's like, I try to do as much as I can behind the scenes. She's yes. not that out front telling you everything she's doing. But the girl is constantly aware working for our people. She is constantly giving back She with her money, her time, yes. her energy. And, uh, you know, one thing I do want to say to young people is that we have to stop 
being so critical of how people protest, how they how they process things, because everybody is not the same. And everything everybody did in this protest of Mr. Floyd's death, whether you post it, whether you donate it, whether you sign petitions, whether you marched out and you were on the front lines, you know, everybody can't be on the front lines. But whatever you did, uh, talk to people, call the congressman, call the, the, the governor, Whatever you did, it all, all worked in tandem and it worked together to get the results that we got. So we have to stop being so critical yes. of other people and what they do and try to dictate because nobody made you the activist police, you know? Okay. And there is no monopoly on activism. It's done in many, many ways. And we have to respect that. I just think that, you know, like you said, they put so much pressure on yeah. it's like she she gives back and it's like that's not enough now we got to critique it's how she gave back yes. you know but and you know what i love about, right but you know what i love about her is that she, I, I call beyonce now like a beautiful quiet storm that when she come through she come through yeah and she doesn't always need you like me i don't always tell everybody what i that's donate right. to you what don't. i get back because it's not your business it's and i always am not looking for a photo op or for a pat right. on the back. Exactly. I do it because it's what I'm supposed to do. Right. And, and you know, good things move in silence a lot of times. That's, That's something right. else that people need to know. So I also want to talk about um, Beyonce, her graduation speech that she did. I It was so beautiful and so moving that Beyonce spoke to the class of 2020. And, you know, and her speech was to amplify that Black Lives Matter, Black excellence. And she talked candidly about sexism in the music industry. She let that class of 2020 know, you guys are graduating during a pandemic and through all of this craziness going on. How did you feel when you saw when you saw her speech? Oh, God, I couldn't have been more proud. Um, I felt like it touched on everything that you know, these young people needed to hear. Mm. And um, I thought it was, you know, it was something that people could relate to. It wasn't so highbrow that you had to get a dictionary to find out, you know, what some of the things meant. She was just (laughs) spoken plain English, you know, and it was really authentically her because she wrote it and rewrote it and wrote it and rewrote it. And, you know, we were talking and she said, you know, I looked at Denzel Washington's speech mm-hmm. and to me, you know, he's one of the best speakers Actors. and not actor, but a speaker that's yes, from he the is. heart and speak mm-hmm. so that you can understand it. And she said, I looked at his speech and then I will go back to my speech and say, it's not good enough yet. And she will rewrite it. So she spent a bunch of hours on that and she wanted it to be perfect. And she just wanted to inspire. And um, yeah, I couldn't have been more proud of her. I thought it was it was it was perfect. I want to say one of her quotes, if I can. Okay. Beyonce said, not enough black women had a seat at the table. So I had to go and chop down that wood and build my own table. Then I had to invite the best there that there was to have a seat. And she admitted starting her own company was terrifying for her. How did you encourage her to push past her fears? Because like, I'll never forget that when she came with that one album and then dropped the videos on everybody, girl, she shook up the world. Everybody was like, what? She did. Well, you know, for her, um, since I, I can say since Beyonce was 16 and they had their first video, that she was involved with everything from picking a video director. And, you know, record labels back then did everything. Yes, they and did. they not used to having somebody like her because she was like, no, I want to look at the director's work mm-hmm. because I want to be, I want us to be involved in who the director is. And she would sit, we would sit there and look at these videos of all these people and she would take notes and she's just always been very methodical. Mm-hmm. And, no, they they don't really like that because they want to be able to just do everything. Yeah. And then it, you know, it just became, she had this, the, her father who created a record label 
that was totally self-sufficient so that he didn't have to depend on Columbia. And that's where she learned in the house of Matthew. He had his own independent radio promotion people. He had his own, uh, you know, he created his own team so that he could have control. And she learned from the best. She had a great teacher in her dad. But at some point, you grow up and you want to do your own thing. and You want to pave your own way and have your own thing. But it was terrifying for her because, you know, she was she had parted ways with her dad and she had to start her own company. And she it was very challenging and she had to make some mistakes. But you know, she like she said, she chopped down that wood and built her own table. Amen. And did all the work herself for a while. And then she was able to get other people in to assist with that. And uh, she's given a lot of opportunities to women and a lot of opportunities for minorities. And, uh, you know, what people don't know about Beyonce is that she invests her own money. Yes, she will. She doesn't care what it costs. She wants the highest quality. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's my argument with her sometimes is I'm like, girl, you can go broke if you just keep on. <laughs> you got to stop somewhere. <laughs> Fine. Like, but listen, listen, no. But can I tell you now, her and I got that in common because this is how I feel. You got to spend money to make money, especially that's if you right. want the things done a certain way. So, you know, th- it's paid off your daughter investing in herself. Okay. So let her go on and spend that money. But it it gets to it. It gets to a point where you got (laughs) to stop spending your own money because, you know, she, uh, these love letters that she write for our people like lemonade and all of that. She winds up, you know, funding a lot of this herself and nobody does that. I don't know anybody else that does what she does. So she's she's totally committed to it. Now, Tina, you're from Galveston, Texas. Yes. Wow. It's about it's about 50 miles from Houston, and it's a little island, believe it or not, a little island in Texas. And uh, not a lot of opportunities for Black people there, not a lot of role models in my day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really hard for me. And, and, you know, I wound up having a mentor who was my brother's girlfriend, who was the flyest thing in the world. And yes. I just followed her around and wanted to be like her. And I thank God for her because if she had not come into my life, you know, I would have wound up with a good job as, as you know, my parents used to say at the post office. And I ain't nothing wrong with that or at the hospital. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really have these big dreams to get out of uh, Galveston until this girl came along and said, guy, you got such a great eye for fashion and you can sew and you can design and you can do hair and you can do something in a beauty industry. And I'm like, really? And so that mentor changed my life. And that's why I mentor kids now, because I want to be that for some kids, you know? I, I agree with you. Now, saying that, did you ever imagine that this life would be as amazing as it's turned out for you? Girl, no, because you know, you know, I was in a little singing group when I was in high school. A okay. lot of people don't know this, Uh-oh. and I made all the costumes for it and for for my group, and we were really good. And yeah. um, but we didn't have, we never had dreams of getting out of that little one horse town because it was just so tired, and nobody would really believe that you could make it. You know, we didn't have the role models for it. But and sometimes I'm just looking, and I'm like. I can't believe that this little country girl, in fact, I said it at the Waco Gala last year because I got so emotional because I was decorating and, you know, making this huge 20 foot chandelier. And and I, me and my sister, would, my sister came down and did it. And I said, God, remember when mama used to make us make flowers and hang all this stuff and always be a poster and stuff and do it. And I couldn't stand it. I hated it. <laughs> and I'm saying, here I am. You know, creating something this big and beautiful, this little country poor girl from 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 Galveston, Texas, I would never have dreamed that I would have been to places and done the things that I've been able to do. So, well, can I ask you, do you take the time? Because I had to learn this, too, because, you know, we get on that treadmill of success and activities. Do you make sure you take the time to smell the roses and say, I do wow, not. OK, good, because I had to learn that, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's a hard lesson. You know, I hid for years. I mean, like I made a commitment when my kids got in this business that I was never going to embarrass them (laughs) or take attention away from them. Not that I could, but, you know, doing something stupid or 
or people having something to talk about that I was just going to hide in the background. And I did it for, for many, many years. And after I got a divorce, I said, God, I don't have that many good years left. I got to have some fun. <laughs> And hanging out. And, you know, when I got on Instagram, they were like, Mama, why are you doing that? Because they're ve- they were very. Oh, stubborn. my God. No, wait. Hold on. Hold on. We got to talk about corny joke time. Come on <laughs> now. We got to talk about corny joke time. Tina, where did that come from? Well, that came from my brother, um, Skip. Hope my youngest brother, he used to always tell jokes. I mean, every time you saw this man, he had a joke and they were sometimes so damn corny, but he would laugh so hard that you would start laughing. So he died um, maybe three years ago. And I was so sad one day and I was on Instagram and you know, I got on Instagram during that movie. Yes, we did. We had, we taught you all the tricks. We was like, now you can do it, Tina. And you did. And now you Y'all got, sign me up. So yeah, thank you got you, millions man. of followers. Okay. <laughs> so I um, did this joke and laughed and it wasn't even funny. And, and it was a tribute to him. And then people started just writing me saying, I enjoyed that so much. Can you keep doing them? And so that's how it came about. So it was kind of a tribute to him. He loved to tell dirty jokes and I do too. But, you know, I can't post those dirty jokes on Instagram. (laughs) You do those in private. And speaking of things that you do privately, y'all, I have got to tell y'all, my birthday last year, Miss Tina. See, I don't know if y'all know this about Miss Tina, but Miss Tina can cook. Okay. Miss Tina can throw down. Y'all, she threw me a Versace Achi intimate gumbo birthday soiree, honey, with the lights. Miss Tina will let you know all about getting your lights for your pictures and your selfies now. I'm going to let y'all know that too about Miss Tina. She'll play when it comes to the angles and getting your light right. But also when it comes down to throwing down on some food. Oh my gosh. I think every some people took stuff to go. I mean, I, I love you so much for, for doing that for me. That was like a birthday like I will never forget. And then later, Lita blew me up some pictures and framed them. So, girl, you in my new house, our pictures. Uh, yeah. And, and, and I just thank you so much for that wonderful birthday dinner that I will never forget. You're always doing birthday dinners for everybody else. I do. I do. I love birthdays. I think that we should always celebrate life because as you see with George Floyd, like the passing of him, you know, none of us are promised tomorrow. We don't know what we may run into that, you know, our life may be over with. So I always make sure with birthdays to celebrate and, 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 and thank God for another year of life. But before we finish, um, recently, uh, in the New York times, you said the day I had kids, I thought I might screw everything else up, but not this. Now that they're grown women, it's my turn. You were talking about that before we start talking about your good cooking. What <laughs> is your turn about, Tina? My turn is just about not, you know, I am on Instagram. I've got two and a half million followers. And that's, you know, that's good for somebody 66 years old. Um, I post, I'm more open about my life. and. Uh, and it's my turn to have fun and laugh and be with my friends and and not be just a mom or a wife because that's what I was for so, so long. Mm. You know, even though I had that clothing line, I was still very shy about anything personal. I would do, I had a show on HSN, but I was still very shy, never wanted to do public speaking. Yeah. And uh, now I'm doing all of that because I feel like I got to take advantage of my life, the good years that I have left because, you know, I'm 66 years old. So I want to be able to have fun and not be so uptight and not be afraid to, um, you know, that somebody knows I'm in the room and have a, more of a voice. I've always done a lot of activism um, behind the scenes, though. I was always like, oh, I don't want to be the spokesperson for it. But now I'm enjoying inspiring people, yes. uh, people my age to dance and to have fun and not be so uptight about, you know, doing the wrong thing and about beauty and self-care and all the things that, you know, even the joking, just to be able to joke and laugh and not be so serious. Enjoy life. Now, okay, talk about something else that blew me away too. Honey, when Beyonce dropped the, the, the Stallion remix with, and she <laughs> said, I got this from Martina. And then you did the thing and you was dancing. <laughs> oh my God. Did you know that Beyonce was about to drop that? No, you know what's so funny is that I'm so 
insulated sometimes from from stuff. And I and she didn't talk to me about it or anything. And really, the song I didn't even know what that the savage thing meant. Yeah. And I was actually working that day and doing zooms for something. And and my assistant said, "Oh, what." You know, it's a lot of people want to get in touch with you since the video. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, oh, the, the video, you're, you know, she made reference to you in the video. So I looked at it and I was like, oh, OK. But I and I called her and I said, well, thank you for my shout out. But she was saying that when I was um, I always had what a two seater. I had a convertible yeah. and I would drive up to her school and she would say that, you know, her friends would say, oh, your mama you know, your mama is, is cool, you know? <laughs> and she say, mom, your hair was blowing and you had on your orange lipstick. Yes. I just always remember that. And to this day, you know, I, I, I drive a convertible two seater cause I just love it. So it was really a compliment and, um, it was fun. It was really fun. I, love so I was like, I gotta go try to do the dance, but I can't dance that well, even though I love to dance. So I just said, I'm gonna just go do my own little rendition of it. Uh, well, you did fabulous, girlfriend, and you look good too. What are your prayers for your daughters and for your grandchildren? Just that they are happy and whole. You mm. know, I don't care what they do for a living. Whatever, you know, if my kids have, my, my ex-husband always says that if, you know, if my kids wanted to be a doctor, I would try to buy a hospital or I would try to be involved in a hospital. So it just happened to be entertaining. So, you know, my granddaughter, Blue, is, you know, she is a born, talented, all-around yes. entertainer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, her mom is very protective of her. But I'm like, you have to unleash the power. And whatever yes. your kids want to be, and my grandson you know, he does, uh, he, he plays basketball amazingly well. Wait a minute. He, he, I ran into him. First of all, Jules, let me tell you something about Jules, okay? I remember meeting Jules and he was like seven. It was like, oh, hi, Miss Vivica. Baby, I was at the game. And this little boy just kept like, it, like he was like, like, okay, you gonna notice who I am. And I was like, who is this over there just flying? <laughs> okay, first of all, they got tall. And finally, then all of a sudden, I, wait a minute, look, I went, <gasps> and I went, Jules and he was like, "Yeah, what's up, Vivica?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh, like he's a grown man instead of Miss Fox. Right. Now you know, well, trying to he, be cool, showing well, up. But he was grown. But <laughs> I could not believe how tall he had gotten. Jules, you're gonna have to watch out now. But yes, I he's know. a wonderful athlete, and and you know yeah. what? He was kind. He took pictures with everyone, and I, I couldn't be have been prouder of him. Yeah, you know, hopefully. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do, but whatever he does, I just want them to fulfill whatever their passion is, mm -hmm. to, to understand what their passion is and just, to, you know, have a happy whole life, no matter what they choose to do. So what's next for Tina? Oh, well, I am working on, you know, right now, this voters campaign. I love activism. I love working with my kids, um, seeing them do well. When I say my kids, I'm talking about my Tina's Angels and Richest Warriors. Uh, we have classes every Monday. We expose them to everything from like um, high tea etiquette to going to Cedar Sinai for a day of brain surgery. Um, you know, Disneyland, just anything. We went to Vegas and saw a show and they got to spend the night in a hotel and order room service. You know, things that I never got to do when I was a kid, whatever I can think of to, to uh, you know, we can think of to expose them to. And so that's my passion, just building Waco, trying to help as many people as we can, provide this space for art and um, just, you know, be happily married and, and have a partner that understands me and just have a whole life. You know, as far as projects are concerned, I'm not, um, you know, I, th that's what my life is now is philanthropy. So speaking of Waco, because, you know, every year you have this amazing gala uh, and it's it's always a theme. You know, it was it's been Wakanda. It's been a different things. What's the theme this year and when is it going to be? Because I got to make sure I don't miss it because I was mad I missed it last time. I was working. I know. And it was amazing. But we, uh, you know, obviously because of COVID, we're going to do one online just to um, to keep people abreast. And I got a lot of 
celebrity friends and I got to get you to do one too, a corny joke. And we're going <laughs> to you know, intersperse it with that in the work we do. But the next gala where we have on the books for June and I'll get the exact date for you. And so we have more time, but we're, we, we went to Ghana and we took 10 kids with us, Richard and I, and, and for the year of the return. And so, you know, what we're planning on doing now is having highlighting a, con- a country um, in Africa, okay. you know, like Ghana being the first. And so that we can learn the difference between the cultures and the music and the food. And, you know, because when we have Wakanda, we just mix everybody. We, we mix Kenyans with Ghanaians. And, you know, we don't really know. And um, and that's sometimes frustrating for our African brothers and sisters. But we're going to teach people about the culture of each country. And uh, and so it's going to be good All it's right. gonna, from everything from food to fashion. So in closing, the name of my podcast is called Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Tina, how do you define hustle? You. <laughs> <laughs> that's hard. <laughs> She said, That's how I define it. <laughs> I know you again, I bet your picture is next to hustle in the, in the business. But you know, because I've seen you from all the, the from the time of the soap operas, and I've been a fan before I got to know you, and all the movies. And I mean, there is there something that you don't do, you know, from your wig line. I listened to your podcast with Lita, and you know, you were the first person to jump on that, um, you know. A long time ago. And you're just a businesswoman and you always hustling. You always got a book out. You got a movie coming out. You got, you don't rest on your laurels. You just hustle and grind. My kind of girl. Yes, I am committed to my hustle. All right. Which then leads us to today's hustle hack. Today's hustle hack is hashtag commit. The common thread that you've heard today from Tina's story is commitment. She's fully committed to raising her children. Her commitment to her daughter's success helped take her from school talent shows to Destiny's Child to the largest stages in the world. She's fully committed to empowering artists. She's fully committed to using her platform. She's fully committed to community service. Miss Tina Knowles Lawson is fully committed, period. Listeners, if you want something in life, you have to commit. Commit to the process. Commit to the work. Commit to yourself. Commit to your success. Miss Tina Knows Lawson, I want to thank you so much for being my fabulous guest today, girlfriend. Uh, where can folks find you on social media? At Miss Tina Lawson. At Miss Tina Lawson. I'm y'all. only on, on uh, IG. Okay. She, she said that's all you're going to get. Okay. You ain't getting Facebook, Twitter. No Twitter, <laughs> no Facebook. <laughs> well, y'all, check her out. You can also follow your girl, me, at Miss Vivica Fox on Twitter, at Miss V Fox on Instagram. And our new handle for our podcast, Hustling with Vivica Fox, is at Vivica Hustling. So, darlings, subscribe download and listen to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Until next time, bye for now. Mwah.